Each month we explore a new spiritual practice, hoping it might be something you find resonates for you, something that you could incorporate into your life at some point. And this month, I would like to encourage you all to go outside sometime in the next week and adopt a practice of aimless wandering or sitting or going someplace you have thought you would like to visit for a while now. Go and do nothing. Go and do nothing. This is the spiritual practice of being present. And as you do that, I'd like to give you this reading to reflect on. Maybe a word or two will stand out in your mind as you sit and do nothing or wander aimlessly. This is a reading by the Reverend Richard S. Gilbert. In this holy season of spring, we take heart. The sun rises higher in the sky and the light increases. The days are longer and warmer now, and we rejoice. New energy flows in us, and we plunge ourselves into new activity. It seems as if our spirits have been hibernating and now burst within us as we seek the sun. Spring is newness, spring is life. Spring is surging vegetation and the promise of a new fall harvest. It refreshes our spirit and it urges us to do more. But perhaps deep within us, there is, comes an admonition. Perhaps our frantic busyness should be called into question. Perhaps we will tap the deeper roots of our spirit. Don't just do something. Stand there. There's always time to do, to accomplish, to exert ourselves, to produce food for life. Don't just do something. Stand there. Stand there and notice. Feel the warmth of the sun on your still back. Bend down and listen to the sound of growing flowers. Hear the bird songs that awaken you in the bright morning air. Pause and smell the blossoms as they race to flowerdom. Most of all, sense the pulse of life. Feel the turning of the globe on its still axis. And as it spins to grace us with a truly new season of being, feel the earth as it bursts forth with new life, the tremulous pause before the leap into growth. Don't just do something. Stand there. Stand there and be. These are words from Starhawk. The earth is a living, conscious being. In company with cultures of different times and places, we name these things as sacred. Air, fire, water, and earth. Whether we see them as the breath, energy, blood, and body of the mother, 
or as the blessed gifts of a creator, or as symbols of the interconnected systems that sustain life, we know that nothing can live without them. To call these things sacred is to say that they have a value beyond their usefulness to human needs that they themselves become the standards by which our acts, our economics, our laws, and our purpose must be judged. To honor the sacred is to create conditions in which nourishment, sustenance, habitat, knowledge, freedom, and beauty can thrive. To honor the sacred is to make love possible.
so grateful for our choir that this. This year we've spent time reviewing the six sources of our faith because Unitarian Universalists honor the free and independent search for truth and meaning. We are obligated to honor the many faiths, beliefs, and traditions that inspire and inform people across time and across the world. We don't have just one source, such as a Bible, Torah, or Bhagavad Gita, but we want to be open to each of these, attending to the wisdoms they have bestowed across the generations. Today, I'm going to skip ahead. We've done four of them, and now we're going to the sixth source, because this is the Earth-based traditions, and it is the kickoff for Earth Justice Month, which traditionally begins with World Water Day on March 22nd and extends to Earth Day on April 22nd. Our sixth source is, and I quote, the spiritual teachings of Earth-centered traditions would celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. I have to admit, I struggle with how to preach on earth justice. I have conflicting messages that go on in my mind. The quote from E.B. White comes to me. Every morning I wake torn between a desire to save the world and an inclination to savor it. This makes it hard to, pl hard to plan the day. It's the same for me. I don't know if I should talk about saving the planet or savoring it. I have to say that my heart is filled with fear, and I want to talk about the imperative we each face to save this planet. I want to talk about our small but collective efforts to recycle, conserve, reuse, restore. I want to explore such questions as how do we eat following ethical principles? How do we take care of the things that we have? How do we buy and consume products in this world? I also want to talk about our large efforts to save industrial practices, to change industrial practices around fossil fuel production, around water protection and land use. I want to ask, how do we invest our money, money in ways that are socially responsible? How do we use our time and efforts to change big corporations? And how do we get regulations and enforcement to control Earth-destructive practices? I want to talk about our legacy, about what we are leaving for our children and our grandchildren. But the reality is you already know all this. You all wonder the same things, right? Each of you have seen movies, heard lectures, read books. You don't actually need to hear anything from me about any of those things. And the fact is that the fear inspired by the statistics and the guilt generated by the lectures is often incapacitating. And instead of helping us to move toward action, it freezes us. So we get caught up in the negativity and so confounded by the enormity of the problem that we get stuck. So what I prefer to do is lean into savoring the world. I want us to get so grounded in our love for the world, for this planet, so inspired by our encounters with the wild that we are compelled toward preserving and protecting this place that fills our lives with wonder. 
That is why this source of our faith is the most compelling to me. Whether we're digging in the garden or watching a lightning storm or giving birth to a child, we come to know the mystery of life in our bodies in ways that words can evoke but never capture. Through embodying and naming the spirits of the world, we recognize and reflect their presence and honor their place in the changing seasons of our lives. For some of us, this is an intuitive personal practice. Others of us make it part of our regular worship. Earth-centered practices remind us all of how intimately connected we are to the cycles, seasons, and rhythms of nature. We have among us Native Americans who practice the faith and rituals of their ancestors. We embrace neo-pagans, druids, and Wicca, who draw inspiration from a variety of sources. We may find inspiration from the sacred goddess, the feminine, and Celtic roots of paganism. There's something grounding and disturbing in our birth-based spiritualities. They offer ritual and devotional experiences that are a counterbalance to the Protestant origins of our Unitarian Universalist worship and practice. They shake us up out of our routines and settle us down into deeper connection with life and with Earth. Nearly every Earth-centered tradition honors the sanctity of nature as it manifests through the seasonal cycle of the year and the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. By honoring these cycles through rituals, pagans have the opportunity to participate in the sacredness of nature. Today, we did a ritual of honoring soil and earth. This is Earth Mother, spring, Earth Month, spring, a time to celebrate what grows from the soil beneath our feet. I urge you all to do this, to do one extra thing this month as we bend that arc to preserve our planet.